The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings, pet lovers. You know, last week a friend called me and told me to turn on the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News Network because there was a segment that he thought I would be really interested in. The segment focused on pets left at the border, a little to unknown problem relating to migrants coming into the United States. Well, after watching the segment, I decided to do some research. As a result, this show is dedicated to the innocent pets left at the border. In this special programming, we're going to talk to Border Town Police Chief a large no-kill shelter that has dedicated resources to this problem, a border town humane society that is juggling with trying to keep pets in their home and not have people give them up, as well as find spots or places for pets left at the border, and a reporter, a reporter who brought this issue to the light. Well, pet lovers, we hope that this show informs you of what you haven't seen from TV and radio interviews, as well as photographs of migrants coming to the U.S. This is the newest pet problem of voiceless innocents traveling with their owners to begin a new life. And joining us to discuss this little to unknown problem is Anna Giartelli. She is the Homeland Security correspondent for the Washington Examiner. Welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to be on the program. We are so excited to have you here because you brought this issue to the top. So I guess I want to know, why do you think that migrants want to bring their pets with them to this country? And are they prepared for this journey? Yeah, it's no different than when you or I move across country. Um, I moved from Washington, D.C. down to Austin, Texas in 2021. Um, I never thought of leaving my cat behind. She's she's part of our family, the two of us. <laughs> so um, for migrants, it's the same thing. It's it's you love your pet so much. Um, and in situations like in Venezuela, um, where there is there's just no food, there's there's so few supplies, you know, you leave your pet behind, your pet's gonna die. Sometimes it's planned ahead, right? You can work with smugglers or you do it yourself. Other times it's like just get out, grab the dog and go. Um, people show up with the clothes on their back more often than not. Does the U.S. Border Patrol have a policy for what to do with these animals when the owner is taken into custody? And are these animals, and are they tracked? So the, the policy is you do not take anything or anybody into custody who is not a human being. And so um, as a pet, it's just not allowed in the country um, if you were to cross at a port of entry, like you or I driving through, getting inspected, um, we would have to show papers for our pet if we were coming from another country saying, you know, here's the immunizations, here's the forms, you know, he's up to date on all this. And so the policy is, is you can't take the dog with you. The, the lack of policy is what happens next. And so in some parts of the border in California, I know there are a lot of agents who We'll take these animals in, we'll get them to rescues, that sort of thing. Um, in Texas, it's, you know, the National Guard on the border. 
people are giving up their pets. And then the National Guard soldiers, in my case, the first time were just standing around with the dog and the dog's just, I mean, literally sitting on the riverbank of an international border, unsure of what to do. So uh, yeah, I think the lack of policy what, after people cross and the dog or pet is left behind is is what's causing a lot of these problems. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Anna Geratelli. She's the Homeland Security Correspondent for the Washington Examiner. Anna, what brought this U.S. border pet problem to your attention? Because obviously in your capacity as the Homeland Security Correspondent, you're interested in what's, you know, what the biggest concerns are. This is kind of like a smaller issue that kind of popped up for you, correct? It was. I wasn't aware of it as to the extent of a problem that it is um, until I sort of got involved myself. So I cover Homeland Security. I've been down to the border uh, four dozen times now. Uh, northern border, southern border, coastal borders, all, all borders, right? And so I was down there last April in Eagle Pass, Texas. Um, was watching about 10 uh, people cross the river, come over. One of them was holding a white dog. And they came up, they got, uh, you know, dried off and border patrol agents were like, okay, we're going to take them into custody now. And I see, I'm standing like 20 feet away. So you kind of give them a little bit of room. And I see them motioning, like, you can't take the dog with you. You have to leave it behind. And the girl carrying the dog is just, you know, shocked. I mean, you've just been through a, a, a very traumatic experience. Like getting to the border takes months, typically. If you're lucky, you can do it in weeks. In her case, she walked from Venezuela um, through an one of the, the most dangerous jungle in the world, the Darien Gap, um, and, and carried her dog. I have pictures of it all the way through um, that area. And so they are taken into custody. I don't know who they are. And there's a dog sitting there. And seeing this little white dog sitting there, I saw my cat sitting there. And I just, I started crying. So I'm sure the National Guard, so the Border Patrol and the families are gone. It's the National Guard and myself, and I'm just crying like, oh, well, where are you going to take the dog? And they said, I don't know. What are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's just going to like live here on its own, I guess. Um, it was shocking um, because I know, you know, that's not the only dog to come over the border. And even if it was, that owner carried its dog thousands of miles. It's obviously a, a you know an important member of, of that person's family, and so um, I used some contacts I have and called the mayor, called city officials. Um, the police chief happened to be a dog lover, and I mean ecstatic dog lover. And so he, you know, had he not been a dog lover, I don't know what would have happened. Um, but he sent a police officer down. I stayed with the dog. Um, and the officer came and got the dog and said, okay, we're going to take it to the shelter. He said, you know, who's, whose dog is this? And I said, I don't know. There's 2000 people who will be arrested every day at that point in Eagle Pass, Texas, crossing the border. I don't know who it was. It was someone from Venezuela. Um, and so I, I called in some favors at border patrol and I won't name names, <laughs> But they were able to, with the information I shared, you know, at this exact part of the border at this exact time, and I did see one agent's name and this was it, um, figure out who those 10 people were, whose dog it was, um, 
and, and, you know, start the process of getting the dog back to its owner and letting the owner know we do have your dog. He was taken off the border. What a story. What a, tr- exactly. This whole program today is, is amazing. I certainly hope that we really draw more attention to the needs for this and needs that has to be accomplished now. Yeah, Not absolutely. six months from now, now. I'm going to ask you one question before we let you go. What do you think can be done? What do you think the government should do? I think it comes down to a desire to change policy. You can change any policy. Um, and this, there's no federal law behind this. This is just an internal policy. I think there needs to be an official you know, word across across the entire nation's borders for agents as they're taking people into custody um, of what happens. You call this one number to tell them and they track the dog or in each, you know, region, there's going to be one point of contact where you, that they will come and get the animal and then work with border patrol. And if the person's released, get that dog back to them. Um, you can't just have animals being left on the border. Um, National Guard there who are there for Governor Greg Abbott, um, they don't know what to do. And so it's just puts everybody in a bad situation. And and even worse, you know, like I was saying, the Buddy Foundation and Eagle Pass, I can't say enough good things about them. They're they're left fronting the bills. They're trying to help people. They're not going to leave a dog out. But, you know. Well, we are going to let you go. But before you leave us today, can you give us your website? Because our listening audience is definitely going to want to read your articles. Yeah, so I would say go to, it's WashingtonExaminer.com, but you won't know how to type my last name. I barely know. So <laughs> I would say go to Instagram. It's Anna in DC with spaces in between. So Anna space in space DC. Um, and that's my my work profile. If you scroll down to last spring, you'll see the posts with all these pictures and videos of the Russians. And I'm, in fact, I'll pin it to the top of my Instagram so that it's easy to see. Um, but with tremendous so, videos, tremendous. Yeah. It's, I mean, you want to cry like, yeah, go to my Instagram. It's, um, happy tears. Well, just to remind you, that was Anna Gerratelli, the Homeland correspondent for the Washington Examiner discussing pets left at the border to fend for themselves. We just want to thank her so much for not only joining us today, but bringing attention to this tragic, emotional mm-hmm. problem. And people need to know about it. Well, next up, we're talking with Annette Lagunas, the executive director of the Humane Society of Yuma, Arizona, about dealing with the problem as shelters are filling up and people are relinquishing their pets due to petflation, how she can manage Mm. to deal with pets that are left at the border that are brought to her shelter. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. 
For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. The show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, this is a special episode of the show. We are talking about pets left at the border as migrants come to the U.S. in record numbers. As illegal migration continues to rise, border towns have had to deal with an influx of people and even their pets. In many cases, some of these pets make it to local animal shelters. And joining us today to talk about pets and the border crisis is Annette Lagunas, the executive director of the Humane Society of Yuma, Arizona. Annette, welcome to the Pet Buzz today. We are really happy to have you join us today. What a timely topic. Yeah, we've got a lot going on here in Yuma. You know, we're not too far from the Mexico border. So a lot of my friends that work in the animal welfare industry are really struggling. Petflation. Annette, how has petflation affected the Humane Society of Yuma? And are more people surrendering pets due to the rising costs? Absolutely. We are seeing a lot of owners coming forward and saying they just truly can't afford the care for their pets, the food for their pets. We are doing a lot of programs where we're transitioning into helping those pets stay in their homes rather than having to be turned over to the Humane Society. So let's say somebody comes in with a eight-month-old, out-of-control, you know, large hyperbreed. We're going to say, hey, what can we do to help you with that? Can we help you with getting that pet altered to maybe help calm a little bit of that down? Can we help you with food? Can we help you with X, Y, and Z to help you keep your pets in your home? Because they can't afford it and we don't have any space. So we're doing everything we can to work with those pet owners to really keep pets where they belong, which is in that loving family. Sure, so with this problem of trying to help pets stay in their home and then the addition of pets coming across the border, it's probably, I mean, it is putting more pressure on folks like Annette and her staff. I'm sure the pressure just increases as we see people continue to come across the border. You know, from what I understand, Annette, you now have a relationship with border control. How does that work? Because I know later in the year, you didn't have that relationship, but you have that relationship now, right? Yeah, in 2021, we didn't, we just didn't have the communication that we, we gained in 22. So we sat down at the table together and said, hey, you know, we're not a humongous community. We're not a metropolitan area. How can we help each other in this situation? You know, everybody, everybody, whether you're coming off across the border or you're here working as a nonprofit or law enforcement, we're all struggling with this problem. So how do we make life better for each other? The local border patrol officer said, we don't want to put a lot of pressure on your shelter, Annette. We know that you've already got a huge influx of animals entering. So what can we do? It comes down to knowing who those owners are. If we know who those owners are and where those animals came from, we can essentially get them back home, get them in touch with maybe even family members. We've had several situations where family members or the owners themselves were able to come down here and get their pets out of the shelter. We've had people fly across country to come and get their pets after they've come across the border, went through the system, and then, you know, showed up down here. So. It's difficult to not have an owner. However, when we do have an owner, it makes our lives so much easier. 
because we know that animal's going home eventually. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Annette Lagunas, the executive director of the Humane Society of Yuma, Arizona, about pets that are forced to be left at the border. Dr. Fleck, you had a question. Yeah, you know, Charlotte and I have both covered the uh, migratory of, of people from the Ukraine to the bordering countries, and there's an intake process for the pets there. Do you have an intake process? And also about what about the health and physical condition of the pets that are coming through? You know, the animals that we can verify have come over with immigrants are well cared for. Those animals, you can tell, are part of their families. You can tell that, um, you know, they've been very well cared for. So the majority of those animals look great. They come across. um, Once we get them, we're automatically vaccinating for distemper, probable corona, bordetella. If it's a cat, they get their standard cat vaccine. Um, And then we're just monitoring. You know, we've not seen anything that should alarm us, you know, as to maybe putting some extra precautions in there as far as, you know, rabies or any other type of, of virus that an animal may may have um, that could come in and affect our entire shelter. We vaccinate just like we do any other animal that enters the, shel- the shelter. We treat for fleas and ticks and scan for microchips and just follow our routine protocol. You know, what's really interesting. Did you catch that you mentioned, Annette mentioned cats? Mm -hmm. So what's really interesting, because most of the scenarios that we've heard about involve dogs. We really haven't had any scenarios that revolve around cats. So are you seeing a few cats every so often? A few, yes. We, you know, I would say one or two a year, but we we definitely see them. Um, And you know, (laughs) you know how cats are. They're a little bit different than dogs. And it sure is tricky, I would assume, for somebody to travel that far with a cat, um, not knowing where that final destination might take you. And um, so when they get here, we're happy we've got them. Go ahead, Dr. Fleck. You know, it kind of sounds like they get a, a better health program for our pets than they do for the immigrants that are coming in. Well, you, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, but I, I think one of the key issues here is that Yuma isn't a border town. So this is not, this increase that we're seeing right now, Annette and folks around her in other border towns are dealing with this issue all year long. This is not like a one-shot deal. I know that you had mentioned you have seen people come back, pick up their cats, somebody is flying across the country to pick up their pets. But I mean, the animals in your care, once they're in your care, what also do you expect from the owners? I mean, obviously, the owners, Border Patrol, you're trying to track everyone down, but do people call from detention and ask about their animals? And if people stay an extended period of time, do you charge them? Yeah, you know, we're a nonprofit. We're not affiliated with HSUS, ASPCA, any of those places. We're a local 501c3 nonprofit organization. We run primarily off donations, grants, and events. Um, We do have some local municipality, municipal contracts for housing. And that's how we end up with these animals. It's typically Border Patrol will call animal, one of the animal control agencies, which we are not affiliated with, we just contract with. They bring the animals to us, hopefully with all the information for the owner and so on. If we can't get the owner, at least we're hoping to get the officer so we can at least talk to them and make, you know, try and get that information. Do you charge for people, dogs? Because I think you told me when we talked previously before this interview, you generally keep the dogs for five days. That's right. So we have a a program here in Yuma County where, you know, if if somebody was in an accident and they have their car, their pet in their car, we would hold that animal for five days. If they're arrested, we do the same, you know, and it, 
So there's a five-day window that we allow for people to have their pets in a safe place here at the shelter and not have to be charged for, for that time that they're with us. However, if it goes over that five days, we do have to start asking for the charges to be to be reclaimed because, it, you know, we've got a lot of staff here. And as you know, everything is going up and it's hard for us to keep our doors open if we're not asking for some support, some support back financially um, to continue to help these animals. Annette, talk to us about the reuniting of the migrants and their pets. What what are migrants willing to do to get their pets back? Migrants are, are doing really a great job. When we know who those owners are, they're either sending family members to call us. We've had people from all over the world call and say, you know, you have so-and-so's pet and they're my family members. We've had churches reach out to us on behalf of somebody who's crossed over that's trying to get um, all of their paperwork in order or whatever. Um, so we've had a lot of people come in on behalf of many different people. And so it, the majority of animals that we know for a fact are coming over through the border, um, they're being reclaimed and they're, they're being reclaimed quickly. Um, and if they're not, they're keeping in close communication with us, which is all, that's all we ask for. That's nice to know. Well, Annette, thank you so much for joining us today. What a great, great topic. Can you give us your website? HSOYuma.com. What a great interview, you're right. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone, that was Annette Lagunas, the executive director of the Humane Society of Uma, Arizona, discussing how pets of migrants can end up in shelters and how this particular shelter works very hard to reunite the migrant pet owners with their pets. We're going to take a commercial break and be back with Lori Simmons of Big Dog Ranch Rescue and learn what that organization is doing to help pets at the border. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Well, welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. This is our Pets Left at the Border special programming. You know, I first learned about Big Dog Ranch Rescue from Ivana Trump. The organization is ramping up their rescue efforts on the Texas-Mexico border. Big Dog Ranch Rescue is giving a voice to the voiceless. They are helping to save these left dogs at the border who can't help themselves. And joining us today is Lori Simmons, the CEO of Big Dog Ranch Rescue, located in Loxahatchee Groves, Florida. I have no idea where that is, and that was a mouthful, so high snaps <laughs> for you for even attempting to say that. All right, Lori, thank you for joining us today at the Pet Buzz. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. You know, I saw you on Tucker Carlson and Newsmax bringing attention to this new pet problem we are experiencing in this country. Um, but before we get started, I want you to tell us a little bit more about Big Dog Ranch Rescue. Big Dog Ranch Rescue is the largest cage-free, no-kill dog rescue in the country. Started back in 2008, uh, first started rescuing Weimariners, and then when the recession hit in 2008, I saw 
the drastic need to save more lives that were being uh, abandoned at kill shelters due to owners losing their homes because of the economy and decided to um, save a lot more dogs than just the Weimariners and expanded into all large breeds originally. And as we grew each year as trying to just save as many dogs as possible, we went into medium breeds, small breeds, mixed breeds, everything. And so far, Big Dog Ranch Rescue has saved over 55,000 lives. Wow. Wow. Lori, how'd you get involved with the dogs at the border then? So a friend of mine, uh, John Rourke, that owns Blue Line Moving, would go down to the border every year and do a volunteer cleanup with his employees and a team. And they asked John, do you know anybody that can help these dogs? And he said, I certainly do. Uh, Big Dog Ranch does a lot of disaster relief from hurricanes or floods or hoarding situations. And I'm going to tell my friend Lori Simmons about it. And of course, he sent me a couple of videos that day and we were out there within two weeks with our bus. And we realized we were going to have way more dogs than we were going to be able to pack on our 45 foot bus. So when you got down there on that first trip to the Texas border, what did you discover? I mean, what condition were these dogs in? Uh, Full of ticks, fleas, starving, exhausted, desperate, um, just living on their own and trying to survive out there in the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter. And, and, you know, sometimes their dogs are just following them. Sometimes they're bringing them, um, at the Eagle Pass shelter, we cleaned them out. And these were all dogs that were confiscated when the people came in and their dogs did come with them. Then they found out where they were going. Some of them did take the time to bring them to the shelter, but the shelter's getting so many that unfortunately they're only able to hold these dogs for five to seven days. And when these immigrants come in and don't come back for these dogs, they have no choice but to euthanize them. And the shelters in Del Rio and in Eagle Pass, I mean, they held like 12 dogs each. So you can imagine how quickly they fill up. Getting a little off topic here, but you know, the South American countries are emptying their jails and driving them to the border. And I'm watching it. I mean, you're there. You're seeing guard it. is told to stand down, just take them to processing. I watched the whole thing happen. They don't know who these people are, whether they're carrying drugs, whether they're criminals, whether they're rapists, they're murderers. They're just processing them. They get on a white bus and off they go. But these are also contributing factors. I mean, these are contributing factors to the situation. So I'm glad that you're bringing them up. What other contributing factors are there to this problem that you see? Well, don't have the 100% solutions as to how to fix the immigration problem. And hopefully with the new house, they'll do something and fix it for these animals you know, you don't know what they're bringing in. In some of these other countries, dogs are not vaccinated. I mean, we were very fortunate. I PCR test every single dog the minute we got them in our possession to make sure we weren't, you know, going to be bringing back distemper or parvo or any contagious diseases. But, you know, it also is a concern that these dogs are coming in 
without vaccination records, without um, anything. And it does put the, the health at, at risk for, you know, the area dogs that live around these border towns. Right. That belong to people. It also is a health risk for you and your staff. So it's important to to recognize this. I mean, and then plus, you know, the other problem that you see is what's on this side of the border where you're seeing people who are having a hard time struggling uh, with inflation trying to just make it and as a result shelters who might want to be in border towns are having a hard time because they're taking more and more pets due to economic policies that are happening right now in this country i have never in my 17 years in rescue seen it so bad seen so many shelters county shelters and local shelters throughout the south and in southeast texas all over that are overwhelmed um, with the amount of incoming dogs. And, you know, I attribute it to one thing, it's inflation. Um, We're getting about 60 owner surrender applications a week for people that are giving up their dogs because their rent's gone up 1,200 a month, their fuel's double, their groceries are 35% more, everything costs more. And, you know what, for a typical family that a single mom that's making $50,000 a year and has to keep a roof over her head and gas in her car and her kids fed, um, guess what goes? They love their dogs, but guess what goes? And it's your pet. Yeah, you have us unable to even speak. I mean, it's, it's such a concern, such a concern. You know, and medically, a concern that I have too is that, you know, we have native parasites, things that we see here all the time. You kind of wonder if there's going to be a trend of something new that could affect the pets of our country, but also could affect us if they're uh, zoonotic sort of diseases that we just can't detect at the border. Um, just Well, to- we're, we do run PCRs on every single dog we bring in and, uh, you know, fecals and they're wormed for five days, tested for everything. Our dogs that, you know, we take from hoarding situations, different countries, different areas, go straight to uh, a really isolated quarantine facility um, here on our, our property. And that's on the back of the property where the staff checks in there. They care for the dogs there. The vet techs are fully suited and gowned. We make sure these dogs are 100% disease free before any public sees them or they're spayed and neutered and put up for adoption. But I'm fortunate to say that we didn't experience any of that other than worming a um, bunch of tick-borne diseases or lichia, but we see that in Georgia, Texas, everywhere all the sure. time anyway. And, and, that's, uh, and that's not cultural. Several that's, with that's just the way it is. Right. right? That's just the way it is. And you, I mean, you know that. I mean, we've talked about heartworm in the South. You know, Lori, we're running out of time. Um, we know what you're doing. So how can our listening audience help you? Mm-hmm. Well, the time can never be greater than to help a dog live right now because in a normal year throughout the country, two million dogs would be euthanized for space throughout the entire country. This year, it's going to be probably closer because of inflation to 10 million. We have doubled our impact. We've expanded into a new facility in Alabama uh, with 16 giant buildings on 100 acres. 
And we're also partnering with a group out in Fort Worth, Texas. So we are expanding rapidly. Unfortunately, in order to save more dogs and have more impact, um, it all takes money. So by donating on our website at bdrr.org, please don't buy from a breeder. Please consider adopting. Lori, you and Big Dog Rescue, thank you so much for being with us today and enlightening us. And again, you've given us your website, but would you please give that website once again? It's bigdogranchrescue.org. Short way to get there is bdrr.org. Great. I'm so glad that you were able to join us. I really am. Just to remind you, that was Lori Simpson, the volunteer CEO of Big Dog Ranch Rescue, discussing how the founder. her organization is helping pets left up the border. Well, up next, we're talking to the chief of police at a border town who is now dealing with pets that are left behind. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Well, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We here at Pet Buzz are urban, suburban, and country. You know, it's a new year. We're highlighting new pet issues in this special issue of our show. We're talking about pets left at the border as their owners migrate to this country illegally. You know, illegal immigration is a drain on the U.S. economy and eventually a burden on U.S. taxpayers. It's important to note that local law enforcement agencies and municipalities near the Mexican border are overwhelmed with the impact that illegal immigration continues to have on their force. This impact also includes pets that are left in the border. And joining us to discuss pets left at the border and the impact it has on the local law enforcement is the chief of police of Eagle Pass, Texas, Frederico Garza. Frederico, welcome to Good the us today. So chief, in the last 10 years plus, the role of pets has changed. Many people, in spite of their economic situation, consider pets as part of their family. Did Eagle Pass local government anticipate that migrants would travel to your border town without the pet, or with the pets? Actually, Dr. Fleck, will you please read that again? Did Eagle Pass local government anticipate that migrants would travel to your border town with their pets? Everything that we have come in when it comes to, uh, you know, migrants trying to cross over and legal immigration reform, I think it has caught a lot of us by surprise uh, with the impacts that have been having the border, including animals now. Uh, we were not waiting for that one, to be honest with you. And more than anything, uh, I love animals myself. Uh, I've got several pets in my house. And, uh, you know, there's nothing more than, than when, when you actually confront an animal like that. Uh, it it kind of breaks your heart uh, when they're just being dropped off at the border. And, 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 and what's going to happen, right? Uh, surely... Uh, uh, we as, as humans, uh, I do believe strongly that uh, uh, we have an order to, to protect those animals in one way or another, uh, give them a good home, good shelter, food, 
and everything else that they need to survive uh, just just like like humans do. I, I do believe that uh, you know these animals are are, are placed here for a reason and uh, we will find a way to make sure that they're they're protected, especially in my walk here in Eagle Pass. Uh, so in, in the past, we had several that uh, uh, we picked up from, from the border areas, added to the numbers that we have already in our animal pound. We're working very hard here at Eagle Pass, and we need some help uh, in creating an animal shelter. We want to create adoption programs and so forth. But when it comes to bringing brought from other areas into our country, uh, but we got to shelter them for, for 10 days at least to make sure that the animal, there's no, nothing wrong with them, diseases and all that. And that takes a, a taxpayer's expense, you know, that we actually have to pay to be able to house those animals. Needless to say, we have a buddy foundation here in Eagle Pass that helps us tremendously, a group of ladies. And what they do is uh, they help us uh, grab those animals, uh, find out where they came from. Uh, go through Border Patrol, get all the information necessary to try to reunite the animals back with their owners. You know, it's interesting because when the chief really started talking, I was I was basically hearing the words of Mahatma Gandhi talking that a society is a reflection of how they treat their pets. Mm -hmm. So, and there's, you know, we're in a time right now where, you know, police are always in the news. It's very negative. And it's great to hear Chief Garza talk so positively about interaction with not only his own animals, but the animals coming in to Eagle Pass. And and, and I also think we have to remember that Eagle Pass is a border town. Mm -hmm. So this is not just happening once it's continuously happening throughout the year um, and I'm glad that he actually did bring up expenditures because you know providing immigrants with housing food clothing and travel assistance to their ultimate destinations often um, is not necessarily in the destination they arrive in um, they're traveling out of state to where friends and family members are and that takes money it takes volunteers and it takes space no matter what the situation, even if it does include pets. So I'm just kind of curious, um, did Eagle Pass expect that would have to include expenditures um, for pets at the local shelter or the local government staff, like that the police would be a little bit more involved in handling this kind of, I guess you could say it's a unique matter. It, it caught us by surprise. Uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, we were not expected, but now we're a little bit more prepared uh, to be able to handle uh, some of these animals coming into our city. Uh, one of the things is that, you know, what I've noticed uh, in, in my years as, as a police officer and administrator, that there's a lot of people out there in this country that have a big caring heart, which including myself. We need more. Uh, we need to look at the animals of the way they are. No, no doubt about it. They bring a lot of joy to your family when you really pay attention of animal instincts. Uh, we might think that they don't think or, 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 or they, just act, they just act in an instinctive manner. And I'm not an expert on that, you know, but I can tell you that uh, those animals have personalities and they have feelings. Uh, so we got to do our best that we can to be able to protect them. And when they're taken away from the owner, you will see a sadness in their faces if you really pay attention to it. You know, it tells us something uh, how important it is to be able to reunite these animals back with their owners.
It's great to hear. Wow. It's great to hear. This is pretty impressive, I have to admit. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Police Chief Federico Garza of the Eagle Pass Police Department about how local police are involved with pets left at the border. And I think it's also great props that he mentioned the Buddy Foundation. So we definitely want to thank them for all the work that they do helping the police, uh, police staff in Eagle Pass. You had a question, Dr. Fleck? Yeah. How do pets left at the border directly affect your police force and other related agencies under your command? And give us some examples of what your staff has to do to deal with them. I know that I know that the um, animal control is under your guidance, um, Chief Garza. Yeah. But but at the same time, we do we do spend a police officer that has to go down to the border and make sure that we don't have animals running at large. that might harm somebody else, uh, which we have not found any of that. But yes, we do spend man hours to be able to handle that, bring the animals in and then pass them over to animal control because they have a job to do also in the city, not necessarily just patrolling the border area where some of this animals being discarded. But at the same time, we have put networks together that I have been in contact with the sheriff in Del Rio uh, Sheriff Joe Frank, and he has helped me tremendously also with the same area of impact that he's been having over there. Since um, the feds or the U.S. Border Patrol don't really want to deal with this problem, how do you think this pet problem should be handled? I mean, should there be an oversight or, I mean, obviously this is becoming a bigger problem. Does the federal government um, need to set up a program to work with local police at the border? Sometimes, ma'am, our rules and policies and procedures and protocols make things work so hard uh, with <laughs> not being able to do what needs to be done. I think the matter of a point here is to put a human hat on is what we need to put on. A human hat on, and I think we could probably solve a lot of our problems that we have in this country. Uh, but that's what it's lacking, you know. So we need the human touch. Uh, to be able to handle this problem that we have, especially when it comes to our pets. And basically, almost everything that goes around our country, uh, we just get boggled down with rules and all those things that we need to follow, and at the end, nothing gets done. So I separated myself a little bit from that and be able to put a human hat on and act from that direction when it comes to animals. I think he acts from his heart, don't you, Doc? I must say, I think he is a great voice for this particular issue. And you know, it's probably one of the few areas where we could see bipartisan support to help for this particular issue. Well, Chief, do you have any other comments before you go? So we're just asking uh, your audience uh, just to make sure that um, we care about this pets. I can see where you folks do that too. And there's a lot of us like that. So pass the word, protect, protect our animals, care for our animals. I think that will go a long ways, you know, in the way that we live and the way that we act in this country. You are so perfect. And we just did with our show. Absolutely. My new crush, Chief Federico Garza. Absolutely. Love you. Love what you have to say. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much for for being on with us. Well, before you go, can you give us your website? Uh, It's going to be uh, Eagle Pass Police Department uh, at EaglePass.com. Or you can go to you know our our our, our website on on site. Uh, it's not hard to find. Just go to Eagle Pass, and you'll be able to find us there. 
And you'll be able to find Chief Frederico Garza, too. Could be a great spokesperson for this whole issue. I think so, too. Yes. Well, everyone, that was Chief Frederico Garza. Big heart for him. Discussing yes. pets at the border and how it involves local police, not only in Eagle Pass, Texas, but in other border towns in this country. Well, did you hear those chimes? It's a wrap. What a great show. I'm so excited about this show. I think it'll be so much awareness to the issue of pets at the border. But I can't wait for next week's show, too. Next week, we're talking about American Indians and their dogs. And January is Blood Donation Month. Let me thank our guests. Special thanks to our guest, Anna Giratelli, Annette Lagunas, Lori Simmons, and Police Chief Frederico Garza. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, if you have a question, write to us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on next week's show. And if you missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.